Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators podcast. <laughs> Love the energy, Haley. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, thank you. I'm not going to lie. I stole that from, if anyone watches the Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard's podcast, that's what he says. He does the welcome, 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 and it was stuck in my head, and I was, it's all I could think about. So that's what I did. Anyways, welcome, friends. This is a very exciting day for us because today is the 100th episode of the Future Belongs to Creators podcast that we get to take credit for, (laughs) even though Nathan and Barrett are former the Future Belongs to Creators podcast hosts. Man, it's been a hell of a ride. Yeah, Yeah, we've deserved it. We worked hard to get to this 100 episodes. Yeah, (laughs) They, they did all... 98 of them. And then we've done the last two, but we get to celebrate the 100th episode. And that is something that's very exciting for us. I am so excited about today's topic for this podcast. But before we move into that, full disclosure, right before we went live, we were talking about what we should banter about in the beginning of this episode. <laughs> and Haley, you're not supposed to tell people that. <laughs> hey, I, you know, I felt like it made the banter better. Yep. Okay, great. (laughs) If you're watching live, Charlie behind her has this incredibly beautiful curated art gallery wall that's just freaking awesome. And she happened to see some like clutter on her beautiful keyboard back there. So she got up and I noticed that she was wearing joggers and Ugg boots. And then (laughs) I proceeded to share that I was wearing bike shorts Miguel, I thought Miguel was going to wear jeans. He strikes me as like a jeans wearing kind of guy. And he was also wearing joggers. And I just thought that was funny. So that's what I decided I wanted to banner about was what we were wearing while recording this. Because we all look somewhat put together up top. But it's definitely like a party down below and comfortable. And that is to bring up Nathan and Barrett again. Very unlike Nathan and Barrett, who definitely always wore jeans. Every yep. day. Yeah, I think I would call this the the podcaster mullet, I think, right? <laughs> so business in the front and then like, you know, party. Chillaxing time. Uh, the all the yeah. rest of it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Just for whatever reason, I hope I don't have to get up and like answer the door or do anything because it's going to be massively embarrassing. Yeah. Now that yeah. you called me out on my joggers. Yeah. I'm going to go order some like something to Miguel's house right now so that he has to get up part way through and show up. Oh, I'm on a rolly chair. I think I'll just. <laughs> for those listening to the audio version, you just missed that in. great roll, roll away that Miguel did. Yes. <laughs> yeah. See, guys, I think that was the perfect intro banter intro. You know, perfect. Okay, we've met Haley's banter quota for the episode. Yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah. So another thing that's that's great about this is we all have decided as we were kind of like planning out how we we're going to do this that each one of us is going to own like a topic. Today is is my topic, so I'm kind of owning it a little bit, and I'm slightly nervous. Full disclosure. So if I fumble some words a little bit, just you know, or drop an f bomb or two, I apologize. But today's topic for the podcast is finding balance and creating art for what other people want versus creating art for what you want to do. And this has been so top of mind for me as I have been producing creator sessions. It's been almost a year, right? So March, I think, is when we released our first one. And it's obviously evolved 
since we first released our episode, our cooking episode with Abby Rodriguez. But one of the things that is just a common theme across, you know, early like released episodes of Creator Sessions versus Grammy nominated artists, you know, Ingrid Andrus, is they all in some way have talked about balancing creating work or having all this other input from outside, you know, people involved in their creative journey and what type of art ends up coming out as a result when they trust their own intuition and trust their gut. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that today. The two examples, just to kind of get the conversation going, the two examples that are most top of mind comes from probably my favorite episode of anything that we've released thus far was with Amy Vitali. And she's a filmmaker, cinematographer, photographer. She's a photojournalist. She's been doing this for, you know, 20 years and she's traveled to some of the best and scariest places in the world to document what's going on in the world. And there's a particular story, which she's probably most known for, which was documenting the journey of the last Northern male white rhino in the world and essentially documenting his extinction, which if you could imagine the feeling that someone would have being like watching the last of its kind, essentially, you know, fulfill extinct. I don't even know the right way to say that the last of its kind die, Die. you know, (laughs) I'm like, what a weighty topic. Right. And she pitched that story to so many people and everyone turned her down. Everyone said, no, Amy, this isn't, this isn't right. It's not a very visual story. Maybe, you know, we're not going to fund it type thing. And eventually she was just like, I've got to do it. Like she knew in her bones that she had to do it. And It's been the most successful story of her career as far as what she's known for. There's a beautiful photo of one of the uh, workers that was at this, um, not resort, but the facility where this male white rhino was. And that photo made the cover of National Geographic. And it was also voted by Nat Geo to be the best photo of the last decade of all the photos. And, you know, there's millions and millions of beautiful photos that are um, put out by Nat Geo. And and that was the one that resonated with most people. And that was because she just trusted, she knew in her gut that that story had to be told. I just love that so much. Another one that comes to mind is with Ingrid Andrus. She was just nominated for three Grammys and she released her debut album, Ladylike, during the pandemic. And when she was writing this music, actually, Miguel, you and I talked a little bit about this um, on an episode that you and I did, but she was basically told that her music wasn't going to resonate with people. She's a country music artist because she wasn't singing about beers and trucks. And she was like, mm, well, that's not my experience. And as a result, you know, eight months later, she was just nominated for three Grammys because she trusted her intuition and trusted her gut. And I think that's when uh, the most beautiful art is made is when you follow your own intuition on that. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that stands out to me in those stories and also in my own experience as a creator with this as well, in making what I want versus what the algorithm says I should make or what people are asking for or whatever, is you have to have so much patience and like, commitment to yourself and to your own, like trusting your own gut really to stick with it. When everyone around you is saying, no, this isn't the right thing to do. But yeah, Teddy just gave a great example here as well, that Harry Potter got rejected by 12 publishers before it got picked up and it was like the biggest thing of our generation. You know, you have to have so much patience to stick with it. 
And that's tough, man. That's like a really hard thing to, to stick with when, when everyone's telling you no, to trust yourself enough to say, no, I'm going to say yes to myself on this and, and keep pushing for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, first of all, I just want to applaud us for out the gate coming out with rhino extinction as the first topic. <laughs> it's like, yeah, super bummer. So sorry if we bummed anyone out. But No, Miguel, we started with banter about what we're wearing, just to, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> Anything that we started out with was cancel itself out. We're back in the middle. So that's okay. Good. Okay. That's good. All right. <laughs> Clean slate. Clean slate. So yeah, I think that's the, the point that Teddy made about the 12 publishers. I mean, if your measure for success is, you know, how many people like it or what the first impression was it from was from people, sure, that can happen. Something can be like a runaway success and they can go viral, this, that, and the other. But a lot of it has to do with grit and determination and just being honest with yourself about what you want your art to be or what you want to create. And sometimes that spells out into crazy success like Harry Potter franchise. Sometimes it doesn't, but was that the goal? Do you think that JK Rowling was thinking when she was writing Harry Potter, she's like, all right, I really need this because I, I think it's gonna make me a ton of money. Or what, is that what was going through her mind? I mean, maybe I'm sure she was hoping it would, but that wasn't why she was writing. At least if I had to guess, I don't want to speak for her, but I feel like most people who are passionate about their art aren't doing it because they want it to turn into dollars. It would just be nice if it did. Mm. Something I've always thought about writing, I, I may have heard this from someone, but my dad has said this uh, actually a few times, but he has these ideas for novels, books that he wants to write, right? And my dad is not a writer. He cannot spell like Aunt Margaret, right? He'd spell it like A-N-T, you know? So like he would need a lot of help to facilitate writing a novel, okay? But it's funny because he brings up this topic of conversation all the time. And for him, it's like he just needs to get it out. He just needs to release it. Maybe nobody ever sees it or ever reads it, but he just needs to write it, you know? And um, I imagine that for J.K. Rowling or for other writers, that it's it's similar to that. It's like something that you just feel compelled to do. And whether the world wants it or not, it's going to like all of a sudden this weight of this thing that you know that you need to do is gone and then you can move on. And if the world loves it, then the world loves it. If they don't, then, you know, you still get to move on to your next thing. So I would imagine for writers and for a lot of artists that that's like a feeling. It's just that they have to do it. Like it's in this intrinsic feeling that they have to complete something and get it out of their mind. I'm laughing at myself a little bit because I honestly feel like my approach to making content and like how I decide what to make content about is me saying, hello, audience. I'm very grateful for you. I'm very grateful for you watching and like requesting certain topics, but I know what you need and I'm going to make that for you instead, even though it's not what you're asking for. I feel like this is the thing that you need to know. And so I'm going to make it anyway and hope that you get interested enough to click on it and watch it because it's what I really feel like I should be teaching you. Like that's my sort of like education approach to this as well. So I don't think it's just, I don't know if I would really consider my YouTube videos art, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. I don't think it's just art that this applies to. I think it's a lot of things when you're, you're a creator building an audience. That balance, yeah, of, of making what people want you to make versus what you believe should be made and what you feel called to make. I feel like as educators on the ConvertKit side of things, we're always telling people to ask your audience what they want. 
right? <laughs> like we're always saying, you're trying to engage. Oh, whoops. Yeah, you're right. We do. Yeah, <laughs> we do say that. You know, it's like we're trying to to teach people how to serve their audience, right? And really as a creator, if you, we say, if you serve, you serve, you serve, then you can ask, right? And that's really the best kind of sales pitch, right? So is if you continue to give and give and give good content away from people, and then you have something that's of more of like a perceived value that someone would pay for. Then when you make that ask for them to pay for something, you've served them so well that then, you know, now you can ask for something in return, which is essentially a payment for that content. And I just think it's a balance, you know, like I agree, Charlie, with your, with there's so many things that so many people don't know that they need. Your approach is coming and saying, oh, I know that you need this to be successful. You might not know that you need this to be successful, but that's you creating art or work or whatever, you know, for your YouTube stuff, because you feel like they need it. You know, like that's a great example of you serving your community in a way that they might not know that they need Mm. to be served, you know? Yeah, that's a good point, Haley. And as you guys are making these great points, I also wonder, like, what are we saying exactly? Are we saying that, you know, it sounds like what we're saying is if you're true to yourself and you do what you want to do, like if you build it, they will come kind of a thing. And I feel like there's it's such this elusive thing because it's there's so many different factors. You know, there's timing of what you make. There is what tools are you using? Are you, how you're reaching out to people? It almost feels like most of it is not the creative part, but it's everything else. You know, you can have this amazing thing that you just don't know how to get out there and it will never get off the ground because you just don't know what you're doing, even though it's amazing. Or it might be the other way around where you're reaching you know what tools to use, you're reaching out, you're giving the people what they're asking for, but maybe the content isn't so good or engaging. So it almost feels like it has to be like this stars align kind of thing in order to like reach the success that most people strive for. I I wonder if we can like explore that a little bit. Like what if you've got the creative part down? What do you do with the other parts? You know, I, I, I don't know. That's where I struggle with. I feel like I'm stubborn enough where I can just be like, I'm just going to make what I like. And if people like it, cool. If not, whatever. But that's not enough. The thing that I or stuck out to me in that point, though, was timing, right? Because mm. how many creative examples do we have where something, let's say, doesn't go viral for years after it was created, right? There are thousands of examples of that happening. But let's just, you know, say X creator, right, is creating all of this work and they just keep chugging and keep chugging and keep chugging and creating. And then one piece of their work from two years ago that got zero traction, if they had deterred from that road or path and started creating different stuff, then what would have happened then, you know? So I don't know. I think about that all the time is like timing. It doesn't make quite make sense to me because people in this industry, I think, want immediate gratification, yeah. you know, and they want to see the numbers, downloads, streams, whatever it is. They want to see an immediate response to those numbers and th- that increase. But ultimately, like, yeah, one thing happens and all of a sudden that changes and then old content is all of a sudden relevant again. Yeah. I like that you calling up Miguel. Um what are we what are we really saying here? Cause <laughs> I think it would be irresponsible of us for the like message of this episode or this conversation mm-hmm. to be like, just make whatever you want, it'll be fine. Because the reality is that it also might not be fine. Mm-hmm. And you might not be setting yourself up for success in doing that. And like perhaps the reasons that other people are telling you to do something differently is because they know the market better than you or something like that. Like, you know, 
we have to, I guess, evaluate the the sources that we're hearing these messages from to decide whether to listen to them or not. Hmm. A really good example, I think, here of like finding success by listening to your audience but still doing what you want is Sarah Dietschy, a friend of mine on YouTube. She went viral actually a few years ago because she made a video, I think it was called How to Casey, where she sort of like mimicked Casey Neistat's style. Hmm. You know, he shared it. People loved it. It went viral. She got a lot of stuff to her channel and she had a lot of new viewers who were like there for more Casey Neistat similar content and were wanting her to make vlogs and things like that, which wasn't what she loved doing, but she would do them for the audience. And she developed this approach that she calls it one for them, one for me, where she'll make a video that she knows her audience wants and that she knows is going to do well in the algorithm and that people are going to click on and, and all that. And then she'll make the like more filmmakery, that's a word now, or like tech related content that she really wants to be making and that she's like more passionate about. And she sort of like balances it that way so that she's still capitalizing on the traffic and the like audience and keeping that thing warm, but also making the stuff she wants to as well. And I've always really liked that that approach to it. I think it's smart to like be aware yeah. that both sides exist and, and need to be considered. I'm really happy that you brought that up. In fact, when I was kind of like writing out some notes for this episode, that was like my, the first question that I had is how do we as creators have to balance this? Mm. And I think everyone's approach for that's going to be totally different. For Sarah, it was one for them, one for me, right? For an artist like, you know, photographer like Amy, her audience is so established now that what they actually want from her, it's what she wants. Like she's not doing it for anybody else but herself, right? And so I think there's definitely like that balance is going to be different for people at different stages of their careers. Definitely. And I think too, with Amy, she has obviously built up her career over years and years and years and built her reputation and sort of like almost, I want to say earned the right to do whatever she wants mm, because mm-hmm. she has built an audience of people who are there for that exact thing. I feel like I've kind of experienced that in a way with my design content on YouTube where I just like stuck with it, kept making the thing I wanted to make. And I'm definitely not there. Like I'm not at the end point of this story yet, but I can see myself being on the way and that the the comments that I get tell me that like, oh yeah, these people are like the kind of people that I really want to be talking to. And I know that if I wanted to have my videos be more popular, I could talk about tech more and like do more laptop reviews and things like that because those are the videos that have done really well on my channel, but I do not enjoy that sort of stuff. And the Mm. comments weren't as fulfilling to me. Like I didn't feel like I was helping people in the way I wanted to be helping them. And so I stay away from it and I'm just like plodding away and like working on building that body of work like Amy has done so that my audience is there for me to like, yeah, make the stuff I wanna make in future. To that effect, one of the things I was thinking about in preparation for this was uh, like, I'm trying to think about art as a business in general, or mm. just creativity as a business in general, it's such a tricky thing. It's not a, a your, your typical kind of like supply and demand kind of thing, not necessarily because like, you know, if you have like a, a physical product, let's say you're selling laptops or something, you know that people want this feature, they wanna do this, they wanna do that. So you try to make the best version of those things that people are asking for, you put it all together and hopefully it's in a, it's stylish and cool and it does all the things people want and the price is right. And that's kind of what you aim for. And that's a very clear roadmap for somebody in a lot of ways. But if you're trying to be creative and you're trying to like figure out what people want, even if it's something that they don't know they want yet, that's really difficult. And I feel like some tech companies try to do this, you know, like famously Apple has had a lot of success doing things like that, where they create something that none of us really knew we wanted until like, 
they showed up with the iPod and everybody's like, oh my God, I want that. I need that, <laughs> you know, or your Apple watch, or you didn't know you wanted that, but now it's like, hell yeah, my Apple watch is sweet. You know? Yeah. I feel like creativity is a lot like that too. And the things that get in the door first are the ones that no one else really thought about it. No one else really knew that that's what they wanted. But the moment they saw it, they were like, this is so cool. And that's what makes things viral, right? You're like, oh my God, this, and then share it with all your friends. You text it to them, you you know, you you write a blog post about it, whatever it is that you do. And it's so crazy. It's such a difficult thing to try and figure out. And that's also kind of probably what it's why it's so much fun. But yeah. I think that this just highlights so much how subjective art is, right? And if you try to create something that everyone is gonna like, you're never gonna win. You know, Charlie and I had um, we're transparent, right? So we had this uh, example. We, we've recently been <laughs> redesigning the Creator Sessions brand. And with that was like the actual branding and also the set. And there were two instances where I kind of, I don't know, I guess I asked Charlie to share and against her better judgment, she shared kind of where the branding was at that stage. And the feedback we got was like, whoa, don't like that, you know? Yeah, everyone hated it. <laughs> yeah. And then Charlie came back and she was like, I, I should have pushed back. We weren't ready for feedback, like at that point, you know? Well, then like a few weeks later, I go to share some like artwork. If you can tell, so I've got this piece. That was really hard because this is like, you know, whatever, confusing. But I've got this piece. Charlie has several of those pieces for those of you guys that are watching. It's by an artist named Anthony Burrill. He's very well known in the UK. This one is says, want better, not more. Charlie's got one that's really well known that says, work hard and be nice to people. And I posted, <laughs> I posted how some of his pieces, which were a huge inspiration for me for our creator session set. And man, the team was not responding uh, to, <laughs> to They did not like them as much as Snaley and I did. But the, like, this is a great lesson. I love that you brought this up, Haley, because we kept going. We believed in mm -hmm. this brand, you know, like yeah. we were like, okay, yeah, I hear you. It's not there yet. And you're like, yeah, okay, I hear you. You're seeing this piece in isolation, this Anthony Brittle print. And yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't have the same effect when you're not seeing it as part of this gallery wall. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I posted the final version of the set just the other day and the response was like, wow, this looks great. You know, everybody was really excited about the way that it looked. Like I told Charlie and I was like, I mean this in the best way. I was like, but I just don't care what everyone else thinks. And I was like, and I wasn't, I don't want to, I don't, please, Nathan Barrett, anyone who responded to that thread, I do care about what you think. But I also just, no, she doesn't. no, no, <laughs> no, I also just, I had a vision and I felt mm -hmm. like Charlie and I together had a vision for what we thought this needed to be to push the Creator Sessions brand forward. And it was very much unlike other stuff that we've done. Mm -hmm. When you look at the whole set, there's definitely a connection. Like you can see how the two brand, you know, how it connects, but it was in isolation. It, you didn't, it was hard to, to see that. But I, like Charlie said, you know, I just was so confident in my idea here that I just, I cared but not enough to change the direction. And I think that was because we listened to the feedback and we were like, okay, this is what they're saying. I can see how they've reached this conclusion, but I believe in the, like that the finished product won't have that problem. And like, mm -hmm. now I know that's your concern. I can make sure I address it. And we did some things changed up on the set, like used a softer font for one mm -hmm. of the pieces so that it all came together and wasn't, I don't know. Yeah. So yelling at you like my art walls are, but yeah, that's, I love that example. I'm glad you brought that up, Haley. Yeah. Not to keep bringing up creator sessions, 
But another lesson I think that we can take from creative sessions that applies to this is when we were first starting this, Haley, when you were first starting it, I'm like talking like I was there from the beginning. The advice you got from Barrett was to lean so far into it that it feels uncomfortable. Mm. And I think that's what you have to do when you have an idea for something, like something you want to create that you just believe needs to exist and you really want to do. That's the point where you can't do it half-heartedly. That's when I think you fail with it. You know, like if, if Amy Vitali had just been like, oh, well, I guess I'll like just go by myself and like, I don't know, we'll like, we'll <laughs> see what I can get. It wouldn't have turned out this amazing photo that she got from right inside the facility or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like she leaned into it and she was like, no, I'm determined to make this happen in spite of you almost. Mm-hmm. And that that's what you have to do when you have an idea like this. You have to commit and like go with it. You can't do it half-heartedly because otherwise it will be like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. That piece of advice from Barrett has been talked about several times on this podcast when I was a guest or just in kind of reflecting on creator sessions. And it wasn't this like profound thing, right? But it was the perfect thing that I needed to hear, right? It was just, Barrett has a way with words and that way he's he's a great COO because he has a way to like a, a really good way of encouraging you guys can fill in here too as well, but he has a good way of like encouraging people to become and fulfill the best version of themselves. Right. Um, and I think that's why he, he leads as such a good COO, but that was just the perfect advice that I needed to hear. And it gave me permission to do things that I didn't think I could do right for other people. Like you just said, for Amy, it was almost like in spite of, right? Like she got turned down so many times, like, no, no, no. And she didn't have somebody in the background. Maybe she did, but she didn't have, at least from the story that I know, there wasn't someone that was saying, you have to do this, Amy, go do this. It was all intrinsically like inside of her, you know? And she had to like break down a ton of doors to get that photo. As you can imagine, the people at those facilities, they these animals that they take care of, they're like children to them, right? Like it's this very intimate moment. They had, and when you look at this photo, everyone should go look at this, this photo. We can add it in the show notes. But it's a very intimate, emotional photo between a keeper, right? And his animal that he's built this bond with. And he had to trust Amy enough to be in that space, right? To take and capture that photo. And that says a lot about the person that she is. But I guess what I'm trying to say here is that there's no one way to like lean far into something. Like you're going to hit, you might have someone in your corner that's saying, like a Barrett was for me, who was saying, go do this thing. And, and I'm giving you permission and fight like hell to, you know, get it done. And I, on Amy said, there might be hundreds of your biggest supporters saying, don't think so. Just don't think it's going to be right. Yeah. It's really inspiring to me, that sort of story to like hear the power and hear the like other people have pushed through that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I love, I love Amy's story for that reason. Yeah. Well, gosh, we're hitting our 30 minute mark. We can wrap up. What do you guys think? Maybe. Yeah. I want to start doing a thing at the end of these episodes. I know Barrett and Nathan sort of, we're trying to make this our own, you know, we're trying to do our own things and bring our own stuff yeah. into this. I know they did a creator of the week and, and stuff like that. What do you want to say, Haley? I see your mouth open there. Because it, well, I just <laughs> wanted to highlight that that like closing, that transition to closing was really poorly executed. Uh, that was my nervousness coming out. I was like, okay. the I was like the timing, it's about 33 minutes. How do I close? And I just sucked it up. So that was bad example. I'll try to be better next time. I was trying to help you out by moving along here, Haley, and then you just stopped and caught attention to it. So Yeah, I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 
it was actually a really clever example on your part of leaning into something so much that it's uncomfortable. So <laughs> for example, you lean so far into that terrible transition and talked about how terrible it was that basically now it's, it's funny. a success. Exactly. And now it's your banter that you love. Yeah. Boom, you own it. Boom, banter. Okay, yeah, let me get back to what I was saying. Nathan and Barrett had their own stuff going on. We want to do some of our own stuff as well at the end of these. And um, something that I'd like to do is highlight, just highlight creators who are doing great things, who are maybe outside of my circle, our circles, you know? And so we've had help from Haley, the other Haley, <laughs> as we like to say in, in the company. Actually, you're the other Haley, aren't you, Haley? Because you started. Yeah, I'm, I like to say tall Haley and short Haley, but okay, I don't know. Okay, Haley C, let's call it Haley C. Haley C, who manages our community. She does a fantastic job. Um, we're getting her to like pull out some examples of people doing great things in there. And what I want to shout out today is a guy called Adam, who has a YouTube channel that I'm going to turn on this little banner for that I prepared earlier called Hustle Savvy. And he is doing great things in the community, like just contributing so much, making really useful videos and like just, just helping people, helping creators. That's what he's making. And so check out Adam's channel. I'm going to drop it in the chat here in, in our YouTube video and it'll also be in the show notes. Yeah, that's his community page. Check it out, give him a follow and you'll probably get some help from his videos too. Good deal. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to make a better closing remark here and say thanks again for joining us on the Future Belongs to Creators podcast. Also, for those of you guys who have been around a while or listened, we at ConvertKit do two company retreats a year. We have not been able to meet in person for the last, what, gosh, almost a year and a half, right? The last one was in February of 2020. So that's just a year. So a year. Yeah. Okay, I can do math. <laughs> and anyway, we're doing our virtual retreat next week. So we will not be live next week as we are going to be in a retreat session trying to be better and connecting with the rest of our team. So we will see you the week after that. Same time, same place. All right, friends. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.